Hi, this is Kathy St. George. I'd like to talk about my body. I don't know about my work. I try to do as little of that as possible. I make everyone else look beautiful. In fact, I'm really a man. You're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the Crab Rangoon Nebula, welcome to TalkCast 240, whatever this is, 241. Just another attempt to fill your mind with what passes for nonsensical science fiction deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 664, Pangalactic Nulgy, Masters and Johnson, Certified Cooking School, and the man with the pangolin known only as the Dome. Tonight I thought you were going to say the pan. No, no. Man with a pan flute and a pangolin. What more do you need? Who <laughs> has not undergone trepanation? <laughs> <laughs> or has he? We're not sure. So our cast has gelled and, and certified themselves as, as relevant in being here uh, for whatever time it is that we have before Boston Comic Con when we all fall asleep. Uh, joining us from the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Contessa of Sparkles and Stuff, Vice Principal of Rhetoric, it's our own girl genius, Kriana. Stay a while and listen. I kill me. Yeah, you have no idea what that's from. I haven't got a clue. Nope. From the stacks of her personal calm space in the dank dungeon's only indoor zen and vegetable garden, which doubles as a robot reading room, tonight she's here and she's promised to me she's not going to mute herself. It's Zombrarian. I'm here on time. Kind of Where's my applause sound effect? Brianna, where's the applause sound effect? <laughs> <gasps> I'm muting myself for the rest of the show, and I'm not talking anymore. So offended. It'll be so just like normal. Shut up. <laughs> Our guest tonight, joining us for the entire show... For the first time, we don't have, like, five other people on the show, so it's actually... We have new... just the one guest? What are we going to do with ourselves? Just just one guest and, and our new emulsified cast, O3. Our guest tonight, Brandon Barrows, who will be at Boston Comic Con less than a month away. My God. Brandon, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's scary how close Boston Comic Con is, actually. It kind of is. <laughs> it's... Considering I signed up for it in December, and it seems like that was just a week ago, it's it's very scary. In fact, it's it's two weeks from tonight, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Holy crap. Oh my god. Okay, now now I am actually terrified. <laughs> Brandon is a Vermont resident who has an interesting background in writing in comics. 
We're going to talk about what he's bringing with him to Artist Alley, what he's bringing to Boston Comic Con, and all that cool stuff. But before we do that, the news. The news. It was a dramatic pause. <laughs> Shut up. You couldn't hear me because I muted myself on purpose because I knew it would happen. And but I was I like went to sing along with the news sound, and then I realized I was the only one making the news sound. <laughs> you should have. You should have just. Uh... You should have just done it. Yeah. Okay. Next time I will. Poor Joe Whitney. I'm gonna like massacre her work. Is for our. Uh... 9th of August show. Uh, we are going to have a special guest that night. Our our Cardiff correspondent who will be uh, at the start of the Doctor Who World Tour. Wow, you're just full of dramatic pauses today. Yeah, I know. When did we go to the Enterprise? Thank you, it's Captain. It's just the thing to do. I have no idea. Wow. So Joe Whitney's going to be joining us for that show, and it's going to be cool because she will have spent the entire day at the world premiere. Then she's coming here to do the show live, uh, which will actually be about 3 by o'clock in the morning. By coming here, you mean... But by here, I mean the Thursday night recording for the Saturday show. So if you want to know what's going on at the world premiere when it opens... Listen live night of Doctor Who, the newest season. Yay! And or something. And or something. And she so, will tell us all about Peter Capaldi and his eyes. And his eyebrows. Yes. Yes. I don't What's know his eyebrow? That's it? That's it? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay. And that was all the news for this week. <laughs> no, there's oh, really not uh, a actually, lot. Everybody's at Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Com- uh, San Diego opened this week, and everything that's coming out of uh, all of our news outlets is, did you see this in San Diego? Did you see that in San Diego? And clearly, if we were there, we would be seeing it since we're not. We haven't. So no, no, no. I, th- I think you've got that backwards. Because since we're not there, we can watch it on the internet. And if we were there, we certainly would just be waiting in line to see things instead of actually seeing them. Kind of, yeah. So, so take that, assholes in San Diego. Don't you feel stupid now? Mm. We're seeing everything before you. And more. You don't have to to sit in line. I can actually sit in my living room with a beer. You make it sound so classy, though. Well, I'm a classy guy. What can I say? (laughs) So another Doctor Who news. Uh, Peter Jackson has been lobbying for about two seasons now to write a Doctor Who episode. In which he will change all the characters... Well, I don't think he's going to write it. I think he's just going to direct it. (laughs) Uh, Well, he's at least going to change the ending to make it completely irrelevant to the story. Yes. Stephen Moffat revealed uh, yesterday that 
Peter Jackson is in line for one of the episodes this year. The other problem is Jackson's ongoing commitments to Middle Earth. <sighs> Dear PJ, try something else out just for a little while. Also, why are they still working on that? They've had a really long time. And uh, let's how let's, many years is he, let's reiterate the fact that The Hobbit did not need to be three movies. It did yeah. not even need to be two movies. Hell, it could have been a television episode. You could have gotten that shit done in an hour. In his defense, though, it was the studio. Because he wanted to do one really long movie, I read. And they said, mm, no, let's do it a trilogy. That's more money in our pocket. And he went, but it doesn't need to be a trilogy. And my understanding is they went, well, trilogy or you don't get to make your movie. Ugh. They're idiots, then. Well, no, I'll, no, they're money makers. No, yeah, I was gonna say no. They they are making a killing off of this, but well, um, well, they don't care about the people that have read the books. They just want the people to go, hey, that's a cool looking movie, and don't care about anything else. And and in, in our defense, it is a cool looking movie. <laughs> <laughs> they're cool, defense. but sobering. I should not be bored during your battle scenes. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. True enough. Well, I mean, there are only so many extra battle scenes that you can really import into that movie. Battle on the river! Battle in the you hills! You know, my favorite scene in the first one was the 28 minutes of hobbits running along collapsing bridges. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. I thought yeah. that was just brilliant, brilliant movie making. Yep. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel padded at all. No. I kind of like the sarcasm you got working here. <laughs> my favorite part of the first one... all I one, have going for me. Perfect. My favorite part was the, air quotes, ponies, who were so obviously <laughs> horses with some extra hair just, like, stuck on them randomly. I was like, dude, just don't even say ponies. Just say just horses and be let done. it be that they're horses. And pretend that Middle Earth has really small horses, cause that that doesn't look like a pony. No, it doesn't. That looks like a sick horse. <laughs> looks like an ASPCA issue horse. Yeah, pretty much. Like one of those horses that Peto would drag around to show how sad. It's one of those horses that goes. Uh, what's your we name? We taught this horse to eat tofu. Was, was that your PETA impression? Yes. No, PETA would kill the horse. No, they wouldn't. Yes, they would. If they fed him tofu, they would. Why would PETA kill the horse? They have, their PETA's shelters have one of the highest kill rates in the country. Well, not if they were using it to drag around to, like, illustrate how sad horses are. Kept in captivity. They are when they're given really bad hairdos and put in the hobbit. And <laughs> tofu. <laughs> Eating tofu, hanging out. You don't remember that tofu. from the from Futurama? We taught a lion to eat tofu. <laughs> no. Anyway. No. Nobody. God Nobody. Damn. Anyway. I thought. I just didn't want to jump. I just didn't want to j- jump in and save you. Aww. So. Sorry, I've got the peer pressure. It's okay. It's it's fine. Once upon a time, there was a film called Superman Lives. 
that attempted to be made. Now, this film starred one of the greatest actors of this or any other generation. Keanu Reed. <laughs> Sorry. We're doing Keanu Reed stuff again. We're oh, God. It hurt. Wow. Anybody want to guess who the guy Shia was? LaBeouf. Actual Cannibal. No. Actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nick Cage, the guy who's made every movie possible. And American Treasure Nick Cage? I would have seen it. I like Nick Cage. I love Nick Cage. He really is an American Treasure. That's how they named that movie. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is a good actor who has made some really bad decisions. Not the beast. You know, except, except for Ghost Rider, because that was the best decision. I love and, that fucking movie. And now I didn't enjoy the first Ghost Rider. I don't know. I kind of like the second one because it made absolutely no sense. And it doesn't matter. I will confirm for everyone that American Treasure is the one movie where when they're showing it on TV, if she tries to turn it off, I cry. (laughs) That is true. And I make her turn it back on. This film was supposed to star Nick Cage. It was supposed to be directed by Tim Burton. That would have been a hell of a movie. And Kevin Smith was writing the script for it. So this was not a typical Superman movie. Oh, it was the anti-Superman movie of all times. He gets kryptonite implanted in his brain and becomes a normal person who is interesting. I read it was all about how he was an alien trying to fit into human society. What? That's ridiculous. That's what I read. I read it was all about how he was an alien trying to fit into human society, and he turned to superheroics because he he could both be literally and figuratively among humanity without having to worry about being part of it. That was the high concept uh, pitch that I read for it a while back. Oh, that was actually really true. Yeah. I thought we were making fun of Tim Burton. No, we absolutely (laughs) were not. Wait a minute. Did you not get my dry, dry sarcasm? <laughs> no. Kevin Smith started. Kevin Smith apparently wrote this on spec and pitched it for years before anybody was like, this might be a good idea. So, Does, doesn't things like that make you want to, like, shoot puppies? <laughs> I mean, I don't like puppies, puppies, but that is beside the point. Yeah. Okay. So Can we John go back to... Snap wrote a movie what? called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened, where he's put together this incredible documentary of everything that everybody thought was going to be so cool about this movie, including a, uh, a black and gray Superman costume. So it's a documentary about a movie that wasn't made that, that was really happened. hyped. Um, you can make a million of those documentaries. Like, why do we care? Because this one has everything from Tim Burton to Kevin Smith, to Steve Johnson, and Grant Morrison. Yeah, I still don't really care. I mean, no, you could you could make a hundred thousand of those. An American Treasure. Nicholas let's Cage. let's let's talk. Let's move on to movies that that no, are no, actually no, no, getting no. made. No, 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 no. What I want to say about this is 
in a very long-winded fashion. Back off. We do keep interrupting. Thank you. If you got interested, maybe we'd stop. That's true. I keep interrupting to tell you that we've been interrupting. It's kind of fun. What I want to say... It is fun, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry, Dom. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I'm done. And fight you. I'm done. Why don't we talk about knitting doozers? (laughs) Knitting doozers? Knitting doozers are the best. Can we play that song legally? Probably not. Probably not. Um, but we, we do have a whole bunch of other cool news. Um, no, let's hear let's hear all about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, actually, that that was tragic news because have you seen these fuckers? Yeah, I have. Like it's, it's like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like they would beat the shit out of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from our childhood because the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from our childhood were like semi-intellectual, cool dudes, and these guys are like. Jock football. I will crush you. Especially like Donatello and Leonardo. How the fuck are they that big? Like, what the? They don't even look like turtles. They look like green blobs. I feel really betrayed, especially because one of my favorite childhood books was entitled "The Ninja Turtles Rap Don't Do Drugs." Yeah, and clearly someone's been doping, and it ain't the queen's horse, or it might be the queen's horse. No angel dust. (laughs) (laughs) It it might be the queen's horse, but it's also the Ninja Turtles. No one else. No no one else heard about the queen's horse doping. This isn't going to really be the Ninja Turtles, and I think they've kind of made that clear at this point. Is it Michael Bay doing this movie seriously? Yes. Oh, see, like, you didn't even have to tell me that. I just knew, intrinsically, because of how fucking stupid it looks. And who's playing April O'Neil in this? I have no idea who is. Not me. That's all I care about. It's Kriana. It's Megan Fox. Oh, fuck me. I I blocked that out of my brain because I hated it so much. She makes Kristen Stewart look like a good actress. (laughs) Yeah, no. Mouth breather herself. look like a good actress. <laughs> yeah, no. You know why they don't look like the Ninja Turtles? Because originally he wanted to make them aliens. He didn't uh-huh. want them to be mutant turtles anymore. He thought that was stupid. Well, so he should make the Superman film. That's what you're saying. Yeah, basically. You know, when I first heard the description of his pitch for this movie, with there's three of them instead of four. They're from another planet, and they ride motorcycles. I thought he's not making Ninja Turtles; he's making biker mice from Mars, and he right, just doesn't exactly. know the difference. Do you think he's like? Do you think he's like actually like? There's something mentally wrong with him at this point, because <laughs> I kind of feel like there has to be. That's the only you explanation. Know, the it served him very well. He's very ridiculously wealthy for making awful movies, and I would like to know how I get that job. You know, the cool thing for me and him is, at this point, I'm almost looking forward to the new Transformers movie, and I've hated the past three. You've watched any of them? I watched about 15 minutes of the first one and about five minutes of the second, but I actually want to see this one, and Mm. I'll probably regret it horribly. All right, let's... 
talk about something less terrible. Um, I'm throwing a dart at my list. I'm coming up with Constantine again. No. Yes. No. 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 We covered this already. No. I, I know. We, I know we've covered this already, but we we did we did talk about Constantine last week. But what I didn't realize, what I didn't realize last week, because I haven't read all the comics yet. I've gotten about five pages into the first one. Um, comics but, that were published in the eighties. Yeah, because you have to start at the beginning. That's that's why I can't get into like Superman because I would just Warning, never catch guys, up. If you haven't read these thirty-year-old comics, spoilers. Well, it's it's just basically this article is just basically saying that that Constantine himself is notably bisexual in the comics. He is like just. That, that's him. And they're fucking downplaying that on stupid TV because TV is stupid. What a yes. shock. I'm all. so surprised. What are we talking about? It just makes me like it more. Um, now let's talk about a book that I didn't like that they're taking and turning into a movie that Don't I even, might I like. make the throwing up noise again. What? I will make the throwing up noise if you talk about this travesty of a movie. Horns? Oh, no. I thought you were going to talk about The Giver and I was going to make the bom- the vomit noise. Is that even on my list? I don't know. I'm not actually looking at well, your list. Well, maybe you should look at my list because Horns is a book by Joe Hill, who is a writer that I enjoy very much. He's I think written, we all enjoy him very much. He's written the lovely comic series Lock and Key, which is a fabulous series. Um, he wrote uh, The Heart-Shaped Box. He wrote uh, a whole... Uh, I think there was an anthology of ghost stories. Uh, but his one book that that I read that I didn't really like was Horns. And it's about a guy who one day spontaneously grows horns. Joe Hill, please come be on the podcast again. <laughs> you know what? I'm allowed not to like everything. This I like true, half I like his other books. You I just like a lot of stuff. I do. I feel like I'm being very kind about this one. Well, you're the only one, but that's okay. Harry Potter's going to be in the movie, huh? He is, and it looks... It's worth watching just to laugh at that. Well, to be fair, we went to see The Woman in Black, which also had... And that was worth watching just to laugh at that. Well, here's the thing. I feel like he was actually not doing a bad job in that. He's just, you know, like 5'2" and still looks like he's 13 years old, and they were like, yes, this man whose seven-year-old son died and his <laughs> wife, and you're like, I don't believe no, that, that's that guy Harry is Potter. old enough to have a son. He's actually 5'5". Five, five. He's about as tall as us, which is, is fairly pathetic for a male actor, actually. Yep. My wife is taller than that. Yep. <laughs> I Daniel Radcliffe is really but short, and Harry put Potter, him next she made to, watch that movie. When you put him next to most male actors... He looks like a child. A Doesn't matter baby. how many beards you grow on him. He's still the Peter Dinklage of his generation. Yes, we get it. That's that why he hangs out not. with Elijah Wood. Oh, good lord, yes. <laughs> it was a long time ago in a very early reincarnation of this show when we had a, a, one of the hosts who was just in love with Elijah Wood and we just... Made fun of her horrendously. Okay, hard. so I just I just looked up uh, what Daniel Radcliffe's height was, and the first 
um, result for him was this Time article about how he lost his virginity. I fucking kid you not. Oh, good lord. <laughs> what? I, nope, what, nope, 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 <laughs> nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> I think we've hit a sore spot with Sunbury. That's gross, you guys. Kind of is. So if Why you like, I'm right about that. I don't know. Why are you doing Shatner oh. impressions? Because <laughs> I'm reading this. I'm trying to like. I don't know. Whatever. So let's talk about something fun. Let's talk yeah, about <laughs> Cumberbatch. Like, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Benedict Cumberbatch. Yay! Cumber bitches. Yes. What would you like to say about him besides repeating his name? <laughs> what, me? Yeah, yeah, you. Well, you wanted to talk about him. What did you want to say? It's on your list. It's on your list. Uh, the new trailer for the Alan Turing movie is out, and he is clearly awesome for that role. That's all. What? Alan Turing is awesome. Benedict Cumberbatch is awesome. This is one of those instances where casting was good. We can only hope. That the movie's well written because the uh, the story of Alan Turing is kind of an amazing story. It's and has almost... been getting lots of attention lately, which I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, there's there's a character, uh, it, Robert Heinlein's Doctor Susan Calvin, who's basically uh, at the reincarnation of Alan Turing in a lot of respects and uh, that character is based on him so uh it's 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 an amazing story and i i just hope to god it's written well enough to to carry it off we won't know till we see it here's something that's written really well uh orphan black you're muted zombarian <laughs> you know she I, I heard woohoo and then words and yeah <laughs> I'm actually kind of glad I was muted because I had nothing um, constructive to add other than like yeah it is so IDW is putting together the new Orphan Black comic and instead of just doing a, a rehash of the two seasons of the show they're coming in with all new stories which Good Lord ought to be amazing. Uh, and uh, I'm so happy there's a new outlet for it as well. And I'll be buying those. I'm going to feel like screw everything. I'm going to Japan in two days. So <laughs> I like I can't really think about much else. So Kriana, except, for, except for how hot Constantine is. With he's his... going to Japan in 48 hours, which means... Uh, that there's no show next week because she's going to Japan in two days. And she's going to come back and regale us with stories of her travels in Tokyo. So we read this article um, about this this hacker bar that's in Tokyo. And we're going we're, we're gonna to go there because the article was actually American. So we assume it's actually not that popular in actual Japan, mm-hmm. hopefully. So we're going to go there. And if... If for some reason we don't get a chance to get there, I hear in the same building there's a Star Wars bar. You know what I'm thinking? If bars were this fun here, I'd go out a lot more. (laughs) 
Well, there's also that robot bar that you want to go to. The, the robot restaurant, yeah. If you haven't yet, go watch uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations on Tokyo. And the first was thing... Was it that... No Reservations or was it Parts Unknown? Oh, you know what? It was Parts Unknown. You're right. <gasps> Who's always right? No, that is so untrue. Um, but anyway, anyway, it's it's ridiculous. It's extravagant. We are freaking going there. <laughs> it looks like great fun, no question about it. It's there's light up stuff. They they have an anaconda robot. They just have robots. For and they some have dancing reason. girl robots and and, and uh, dancing girls. And dancing girls. Absolutely. The whole. Kriana's whole report on Japan is going to be there were robots <laughs> and girls and it's going to be like an episode of Father Ted <laughs> robots girls drink so at this point in the show we would normally go hey let's talk about this week's Facebook poll but, but we don't has... do those anymore so we should we... just stop talking about them Yeah, we're. I don't know we've got to figure out a better way to do that Ooh, hey there's fireworks out our window though we can talk about that Nah. Are they sparkly? They are. I was surprised. That's all. Sorry. Okay. Well, you're entitled to be surprised. Drink! Ugh. So, at this point, uh, (laughs) let's reintroduce our guest for the night, Brandon Barrows, a BCC Artist Alley participant who will be seeing in two weeks at Boston Comic Con. Brandon, once again, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I've I've had fun so far. Oh, God. Okay. Well, you, clearly your expectation, expectations were dialed. Expatriations? Way Expatriations. Expectorations? Hey, I've been drinking lately. <laughs> Brandon, how long have you been doing the comic book thing? Um, well, I've been doing comics for about seven years, and I've been writing for probably close to 20 um, my first foray into comics, I tried really hard to draw it, because uh, for a long time I wanted to be a comic book artist, and I spent about a year drawing my first mini-comic, and I went, this is awful, let's find somebody else who knows what they're doing. <laughs> so, your first major collaboration was, uh, well, the first time I learned about you was from the series Jackhammer, which probably was uh, the Jack first Jackhammer is my first major collaboration. Was uh, it really? It, cool. It, it was. I had done um, probably four projects before that that never, that never were finished because as anybody who has tried to write a comic knows, there are a lot of flaky artists out there. No offense to artists. I have many friends that are artists, but you all know it's true. Um, and there are a lot of flaky, many different occupations out there. Not yeah, pointing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not pointing any fingers at any particular people who may or may not write about certain amusement parks, but... Well, who? that is true. There are many flaky people out there. Let's say I ran into a lot of flaky artists then. Um, but Ionic was the first person who ever actually finished a comic with me. Um, and we have been doing... My God, we've been doing Jack Hammer for almost five years. Right. Um, he is a one-man shop as far as the art goes, so it takes him a little bit longer than uh, you know having a bunch of different people do it. But uh, the results are—I'm something that we can both be very proud of. So I'm okay with that. Uh, so let's, we also let's, actually did a. Oh, go ahead. 
let's talk about the character for a few minutes because uh, oh, it's, yeah, what's this whole thing about anyway? Because it's all it's all it's said on our schedule is art of Brandon Barrows BCC preview, and I was I spent the whole week wondering. <laughs> well, Jack Hammer's about a, a private investigator named Jack McGriskin. Uh, the whole concept is is the world is our world, except there are a very small number of superhumans. It's almost like a, a very small community where everybody knows each other, um, but it's also very illegal to be a superhuman, basically because, like in the real world, the government would be like, uh-uh, there's nobody running around in tights uh, saving people. You're all under our thumb. So they're, most of them in this world are criminals just because they don't want to be imprisoned or killed or forced to do the government's dirty work. And Jack McGriskin is one of the few people who, at one point, was a superhero. And now he is a private investigator who keeps getting roped into this this world that he's very familiar with and wants no part of. So wait, if he um, was a superhero, does that mean he was doing the government's dirty work and then decided not to? He was not doing the government's dirty work, although if you read the book, he is licensed. And there is an upcoming storyline where that comes back to haunt him. Ooh, uh, I'm interested. Register with the, go ahead. I'm interested. Continue. Well, basically, in this world, uh, to avoid imprisonment or execution, you have to be registered with the government, and there are different levels based on your, your power class, and the ones that are really dangerous that are registered, they're the ones going and doing the, you know, the wet work type stuff that the government doesn't want you to know about, that nobody knows about, who doesn't absolutely need to. There are people like Jack, a handful of them who technically do have powers, uh, who are licensed, who they're basically at the beck and call whenever uh, the government whenever they need them, but for the most part, as long as they don't go underground, the government leaves them alone until they do want something from them. And not to and, make a death penalty joke, but have you heard about Arizona lately? Oh God. Um, <laughs> so, but I'm not to make sorry. a death penalty joke, but to make a death penalty joke. Really? Oh, that was in such bad taste. Yes, it was. <laughs> that was in bad taste even for me. Um, so, what is Jack's actual superpower that he has to register for? Well, you'd have to read the book, and his powers are not powers so much um, in the sense Well, how of, big of a spoiler know, is this, really? Come on. Laser beams. Come on, yeah. how big of a spoiler is this, really? It, it's not a huge spoiler. Um, one of the things that when I was thinking about this that I really wanted to uh, to keep... I really wanted to keep it as realistic as possible so there isn't anybody flying around or, you know, lifting, uh, you know, tanks and hurling them around. Basically, Jack is stronger, a little bit faster, and a lot tougher than your average person. You know, he could probably pick up uh, a smart car and throw it at you, but he's not going to be lifting tractor trailers like a like a Marvel Comics or DC Comics character. So, um, so if he didn't register to get into the like um, moral fiber of your universe here, like if he's not that much stronger and not that much faster, like how would he get caught theoretically? Because he was one of the, he was one of the fools who actually put on a costume at one point and said, "I'm a hero." World, look at me. Ah, okay. So, 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 if he hadn't like been a dumbass about it, if he if he had just been like, well, I'm a little strong, but that's nothing special. Like they they would have no. There's no like genetic marker that you could test for or anything. No, exactly. And that's actually one of the things that it comes out 
it comes out multiple times in the comic is that Jack was only a superhero for a very short time and he spent 20 years regretting it. Hmm. He sounds like the guy we were watching the other night on America's Got Talent. This man is 93 years old and he pulls vehicles around with his teeth. And he is, a, he is not a superhuman as far as I know and he seems stronger than this main character. Just say it. Does he have teeth still? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Shockingly he, enough. He actually has a really impressive mouthful of teeth. I think they might be dentures. No, they couldn't be. Dentures, like denture cream, like the adhesive, oh, yeah, could not would not hold under well, that much pressure. Bolt them in, but yeah, that would Wow. Yeah, that is impressive. He's really but, cool. You know, the, the, the purpose of the comic isn't the powers. It's, no, it's, I, I get that. It's a, detective, it's a detective comic, and that's the, back, that's the backdrop of it. Um, and one of the things that in the first few issues comes out is that Jack may technically be superhuman, but a lot of these people that, a lot of these, these superpowered criminals are way higher up the superpowered stepladder than he is. So he's pretty much at the bottom. Yeah, he's, he's near the bottom. He, when he got, when he got his abilities, he was this, you know, brash young guy who was looking for something to make him stand out, and like I said, he's regretted it ever since. So, so uh, wait, so in this universe, this is not something you're born with, it's something you get at a certain age? Um, I don't know, well, yes, there are some people. I have not gone into the specifics with any of these, with, with many of these characters, because <laughs> I think it's irrelevant. I actually don't like it when comics get bogged down in the technicalities of the science of it, because it's not very well done, typically, and I think it takes people out of the story. Um, some of these people have um, these abilities naturally. Some of these people have come by them. A lot of these people have gotten, these, have gotten abilities through science that isn't really, isn't really, how do I put this? Um, it's definitely illegal in this world, but it's also one of those. It's also one of those things that is so fringe that it's not really science. It's almost more like magic. Okay. That's another thing that we get into further. That's another thing that we get into further in the series. Now um, you've got a new storyline coming out uh, with uh, Usurper. Yes. Um, the first issue of Usurper was in pre- is in previews this month. Um, that storyline is more about Jack's relationships with the people around him, because one of the things that I really like um, about this character is that he acts like he's this tough guy. He's got, you know, no cares in the world. He doesn't need anybody, but really he is actually, you know, like a lot of people, he is just as insecure and needy as everybody else around him. And he's got very few people in his life, but he cares very deeply about them. And he tries to keep them away from the more dangerous aspects of what he does as much as possible. He's almost, it's almost like he's got two lives, and in Usurper, those two lives intersect in pretty much the worst way that Jack can imagine. That sounds cool. I've been, uh, I've really liked this series for a while, so I'm looking forward to the whole... One more question, then I'll shut up. Is he bisexual? Uh, no. Damn it. All right. I'm sorry. That would have been the trifecta for you. No, I I know. I know. I would have been so there. Stu might be. He's a little girly. We haven't explored that Hmm. yet. He definitely has a man crush on Jack. 
Do they have a bromance going on a little bit? Uh, Jack finds Stu very annoying, but he's like a kid brother. Yeah, they do. He's like the kid, he's like the kid brother he never wanted. <laughs> and then the other... Uh, it's Wait for that fan series. fiction to happen. But the, the graphic novel that you put together uh, called Voyaga? Oh, yeah. Voyaga is the other book that uh, Ionic and I did. This is, is... Oh, go ahead. This is your 1950s Day the Earth Stood Still type black and white science fiction... Uh, double feature? Well, yeah. Science fiction double feature <laughs> in black and white. Thank you, Magenta. I really... uh, sorry. Drinking. <laughs> Shut up now. <laughs> and that book is still available as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. That came out from Marcosia um, Enterprises in 2012. Um, you hit it right on the head. Voyaga is kind of like my love letter to 1950s type sci-fi. It is sort of the day the Earth stood still. It's a little bit Twilight Zone, and that's a book that... I really wanted to make it about one character, and we spend a lot of time in his head as he's wandering around this world. That was a really fun book to do, um, and it was one of those things that it, I was kind of like, well, anything can happen here, so what's going to happen? Let's just see. That book was an experiment as much as anything. It was almost like a fix-up novel in that I wrote the individual pieces, and then I said, okay, let's see how these fit together. And then let's 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 do let's tweak this, let's tweak that, and make it all fit together into a cohesive story and see what we have. Because I really wanted to play around with this character, um, and not necessarily get into too much of the world right off the bat. More of his reaction to the situation that he finds himself in. Now this this is interesting from my point of view, because you as a writer are working with an artist that you've become very comfortable with. Mm -hmm. uh, so how does that process work for you? Well, um, I write full scripts generally. And in, in for, uh, for viewers that aren't familiar with that um, term, what that means is I, I write the page and panel breakdowns as well as the dialogue and narration and sound effects and things like that. Um, so that, you know, Ionic in this case, or any artist, can look and go, oh, okay, this is what he imagines, you know, within, within that general um, framework, this is what I'm going to do to tell this story. Um, there are some artists that, I give, that I, I've worked with that I give more detail to. Um, I forget, I think it was, I'm not a huge Alan Moore fan, but I think it was Alan Moore who said something to the effect of, um, you know, you write as much as you, you need to to be satisfied with the outcome. Um, you know, and he's one of those guys that will write four pages for a single panel's worth of description. I don't get that nuts. But my relationship with Ionic has gone to the point where I don't need to give him a ton of direction because we know how the other one works and what the other one is expecting. So I can give him, you know, for Jack Hammer, I might say, uh, you know, Jack races down the stairs... Uh, with a look of uh, exasperation on his face. And that's all it takes, and I, I know exactly, more or less, what I'm going to get with Ionic. Um, with Voyaga, 
like I said, that was a little bit of an experiment. And if you you know if you've read the book, obviously you notice that the style changes um, as the book goes through, as the book uh, progresses. Part of that was because a different artist originally did the prologue. The prologue, when that was done, I did not know that would turn into a graphic novel. It was something that kind of um, happened organically. And then when we did the next chapter of that, um, I had shown Ionic the, the art that Rudolf Montemeyer had done, and he sort of did his own version to, of that, and then we transitioned to his style. And I actually really, really liked that because... I know a lot of people won't get it. Maybe it's a little bit too artsy for them. But I liked it because I felt that as Dean Kirkland was transitioning and becoming more familiar with this world, the art became almost more organic um, to fit that world as well. And I really liked that effect. I really liked the way that turned out. So essentially, you're writing the prose completely. Correct. So you may end up actually with a short story by the time you're done. Well, that's actually yes and no. When I know exactly the way I want a comic script to go, I don't sit down like some people do and do an outline. I actually write it as a loose prose story because I also write prose as well as comics. So if I know exactly where a story is going and I need to get it down on paper, I might sit down and write a three or four, five thousand word prose story, and then I write my comic script from that story because that allows me to work out all those beats. And sometimes I right, end up right. taking dialogue directly from that prose story to make it to to, to make the transition to the comic. So, so it's it's I, actually an organic evolution for you from prose into the comic. It is in a lot of cases, um, and I don't do that all the time. Because that's one of those things where, you know, I wake up in the morning and I've got the idea fully formed in my head. I have to get it down right now. Um, sometimes, you know, I will just jot down ideas and I'll walk away and do something else. And then I'll come back and jot something else down. And it'll, it'll, it'll take form that way. Um, occasionally I'll write directly in comic script, um, which I've done with a few issues of Jackhammer, just because... I'm familiar with those characters. I know where I want the story to go, and I've already got the plot points worked out in my head. Now, one of the things that I found, because I'm a huge fan of web comics, and, and I just adore the hell out of them, and there are some, you know, it's, it's the Theodore Sturgeon, 90% of everything is, but when you find the 10%, it's incredibly cool. And I stumbled across... Crime Quirks Gazette uh, a while back. It's one of the coolest ones I've ever seen because it's based on reality. Well, I'm, I, I really appreciate you saying that because I had no idea anybody actually read it. <laughs> Seriously. I have never gotten any feedback in the seven or eight months that we've been doing that. I mean, there's... I. I I originally put it on Tumblr because I'm lazy and I didn't want to design a website. And I, I said to my, my friend Joe, who draws it, do you mind if I just slap this on Tumblr? And he said, hey, it works for me. And, you know, there are people that, that follow us on Tumblr, but yeah. literally no one has ever commented directly to me in any capacity about whether... So here's your first comment about it. It's fucking cool. I like it a can lot. I, can I quote you? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I appreciate that. Explain to our listeners what Crime Quirks Gazette is. Uh, well, the Crime Quirks Gazette is a weekly webcomic um, about actual weird crimes, usually involving stupid people doing stupid things, which is one of my favorite things to read about, so I figured other people would want to read about it as well. Um, I am a huge fan of, you know, weird news websites. and. God, Dome, you send me all of these stupid webcomics, and this is the one you don't send me? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Somebody's checking well, it out now, are you? It's just crimequirks.tumblr.com. <sighs> Dome. I seek out these weird news stories, and one day, I don't even remember which story it was. I know it made it into a comic, but I, I, I thought, you can't make this stuff up. This is, this is weirder than any piece of bizarre fiction I've ever read. This would make an awesome comic, and I started thinking about it. And I, I've known Joe Badon for probably at least a couple years now. And I just shot him a Facebook message, and I said, Hey, Joe, want to do a webcomic? And he wrote back, and he's like, Sure. He's like, When do we start? And I was like, Awesome. Let's get it done. So I, I just troll for weird news, and uh, the ones that I find especially weird or especially amusing, um, you know, those sometimes, like the latest one, Passing Graph, there's a healthy dose of uh, <laughs> Jade Crowder in it. Yeah, I really enjoyed sure that nice. one. Um, those are the ones. Those are the ones that become comics. Actually, I'm trying to find my favorite. Oh, here it was: the Great Escape. The Great Escape <laughs> is a good one. You you can't you can't go to a trailer park and not see something at least mildly amusing. And when it's, you add alcohol into the mix, that's the type of thing you get. I mean, it's it's just literally you can't make this shit up. I think my all-time favorite one is probably the Tater Terrorist because that is just so weird and bizarre. I mean, I guess the guy was drunk, but he had to also be pretty freaking crazy. Uh, the one in Florida about the guy uh, trying to force the random kid to eat a potato chip and then <laughs> blowing kisses to the cops and screaming, I love you, I love you, as he tries to make his get away. Fortunately, uh, the boy escaped unharmed. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the boy did escape unharmed. <laughs> he probably will not be eating potato chips for the rest of his life, though. I would think no. That was that was a brutal, terrifying moment for the poor child. So, no, it's not what funny is it that you the kid? But it's just a very strange situation. It's an incredibly bizarre situation. So, what is it that you're bringing with you to Boston for our listeners to be able to check out? Um, I will have single issues of Jackhammer 1 through 4. Um, I will also have a limited edition, individually signed and numbered trade paperback of those issues. Um, I will have some copies of Voyaga. Uh, what else? I will have um, my prose book, uh, The Altar in the Hills and Other Weird Tales. It's a collection of uh, some weird prose tales that I had published by... Uh, Raven Warren Publishing earlier this year. Um, I will have free Crime Course Gazettes 
individual mini comics to pass out to people. Oh, uh, cool. Okay, we should get some of those for our table and just like have little directions to his table on them because I feel like those will those will go fast. Oh, uh, that would be awesome. I would appreciate that. We would definitely uh, do that. Absolutely, definitely do that. In fact, I think I think somebody from Sci-Fi Saturday Night came to my table and gave me a pen last year. A pen. A pen. Maybe that was the year before. Do we have pens? So I have a pen. Yeah. I don't no, think we ever had pens. pens. You never had pens? Hmm. We no. had we had buttons or stickers. I'll have to look for that. I could have sworn it said Sci-Fi Saturday Night on it. <laughs> well, whoever podcast that was, ha! <laughs> <laughs> we now, got you. Now, Brandon, um, are any of these lovely stories available in a, say, digital DRM-free format? Uh, yes, they are. Um, Jackhammer... Voyaga um, are both on, um, what's it called, Frick, uh, drivethroughcomics.com, um, and of course for people who want to use mobile apps, they're also on uh, Comixology. Um, speaking of Comixology, I also have a horror comic called Red Run from Alterna Comics that's on there, you can find. Um, I think you can also buy digital DRM free copies of Jackhammer directly from Action Lab's website, which is yeah, actionlabscomics.com. Yeah, I think you can, I think you can buy DRM Oh, duh! Wow, this is why we were talking about M-theory earlier. The You're with Action Labs, duh. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Sorry. Missed that. That's okay. So, for our listeners, um, independent comic, incredibly cool stuff, going out in so many different directions, hard science fiction, uh, mystery detective science fiction, and the ever-popular, look what this idiot did on Tumblr. <laughs> Which I find to be one of the most cool webcomics around right now. And Brandon, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. I've had a blast. Cool. Hang with us for just a second. Kriana, what's happening in the next couple of weeks on Sci-Fi Saturday Night? Well, next week it's Do-It-Yourself Podcast Night because you don't have to go home, but we won't be here. Um, I'll be in Tokyo, bitches. Um, on August 9th, we have a live report from Cardiff from the lovely JoJo on the state of the Doctor Who address. And on August 23rd, Ron Garner is going to tell us about his three new books, well, his, his publishing company's three new books, Cloak, The Cauldron, and The Tethering. And then I was almost like, dead redhead, and then I was like, oh. No, just continue. I know. So, Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music is provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their smooth grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. And our intro music was gratefully provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Halt Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Doom. It's so weird now, but we'll get used to this in a while. I want to thank Brandon Barrows for joining us. Please check him out at Boston Comic Con. Or if you see us first, come to our table and we'll show you where he's sitting. 
Uh, I want to thank our cast tonight. Uh, it's weird, but we'll get through this. He's forgotten our names again. <laughs> from the Free Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, and the grammar person, Zombrarian. Thank you so much, ladies. I feel like a sprung. That much, huh? Mm, this know. is Dome saying, Genie shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. That sounds good. That sounds perfect.